it and abide in it. Today we are going to be talking about love of. And a lot has to do that when you think of love, you think of the church and you think of what Jesus has done, but you also think of family. And today is Family Sunday, so you never know what's going to happen. Uh, so uh, I just have been told multiple times by kids that it better be fun. Uh, uh, are there, I don't know, take me out back and uh, might have a talking to. Uh, but here's the deal. Okay, kids, you are going to be coming up here in one second, but you have to pay attention. You have to bring up one of your parents, grandparents, or one of them as well, because you will be competing against them. And you won't be doing anything crazy. It's just going to be a little bit of Q&A. Like, uh, I'm going to ask some questions. So right now, I do like those that are bargaining, like, don't pick me. <laughs> Bob's coming up. No, uh, so if you can come up, you come up with one of your main competitors. Okay. Now, while they come up, the rest of you don't get away with this. Okay. There's someone sitting next to you that you know you want to compete with and win, okay? So in these questions, it's going to be a simple question. So get, get by, your, get by your, uh, your family. So you're going to get by your, your family, okay? There you go. You can stay down there. You can stay down. You don't, okay, some of you really want to be on camera. Awesome. Uh, so when I ask the question, how it works is... This is the ultimate, you can't lie, okay? You can't lie. So if I say, what's your favorite color? Okay. <laughs> I don't believe you. No, uh, so if you're in your mind, you say, okay, this is what it is. You don't say anything. The other person has to guess what it is. And if they get it right, they get a point, okay? If they get it wrong, no points, okay? Now it's kids versus the adults. So the kids, you have to work together. So you only get one guess, okay? So if one thinks it's red and the other one uh, blue, you got to work together and it's purple. I don't know. So you take a guess and then you go back and forth, okay? So you're going to get these questions. Now, if you're sitting out there, I know some of you are like, I am really by myself right now and I don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah, uh, that's not what the church is. So if you want to, you can turn to someone and just like, yeah, it was red. You know, like you don't have to get real close, but I want you to participate. And if you've always wanted to know who is the smarter of the couples, this is a great test. <laughs> okay, so you guys, are, well, I'm not going to come around with a mic. It's just going to be you guys keep track of your own points together. Okay, the first question is, what food uh, not snack. What food do you love? What, so they guess yours, and then you guess theirs. Okay. So what? Uh, you guess the adults. You guess the adults, and then the adults guess theirs. Now, if you're sitting next to you, next to you, I know John Beers right now is thinking donut. So I get a point. So like you can play right next to. How you want to want to want to do? A little bit of competition. You guys got 10 more seconds? You only get one guess? You don't get to go through spaghetti, meatball, uh, pasta. Okay, next question. What's your guess? 
Uh-oh, you're keeping track. Okay, the next question. What sport, what is your sport do you love? What sport do you love? I don't like sports. Well, then you know a little something more about her. Okay, you got about 10 seconds on both sides. Both of you have to guess. All right, next question. Okay, this will take you way back. Okay, because you kids, you're in school. Adults, you have to think back of what was your, what class did you love? What class did you love for the adults? And if you're a kid, what class do you love? <laughs> I love Mrs. Smith, my teacher. That works. <laughs> Okay, two more, two more. Okay, we'll keep moving on. What song do you love? What song do you love? That's all right. You're going to miss some. What song do you love? We got one more. Okay, last one. What holiday do you love? And then I'm going to call up Les and Don and see which one won. Just joking. Just joking. They're over there competing. Jan and Vivian, you're up next too, I know. Okay, I'm going to ask, did the kids win or adults? One to zero. Kids won that one? Yeah, one. Kids won. Adult won. Oh, kid won. Did the kid win or adult? Kid won. The kids won. Please tell me you won. I won. You won? Yes! Woo! All right, give it up for all the kids and all the adults. You guys can have a seat. Good job. Now I can speak on how adults, you need to listen to your kids more. No, just joking. That's not what we're talking about today. We're going to be in 2 Timothy 3. Um, yes, if you're, make sure you, if you're a kid, you can go get your packet uh, in the back. Uh, Carol has those for you. So as uh, they go get the packets, we're going to be in 2 Timothy 3, uh, starting in verse 1. Uh, I know Family Sunday can be a little hectic and crazy, but thank you uh, so much for uh, being a part of that. Uh, I do think those simple questions, though, you can start thinking about like, hey, do I really pay attention to people? Do I really listen to people? Do I really know people? Do I, do I, and, and I think as you'll see this, many people uh, in our lives, how we demonstrate our love for each other, and as you will see here, how we don't demonstrate our love for Christ will be shown. Verse 1 starts like this. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, 
unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the, its power, have nothing to do with such people. Okay, so we're going to take a look at these first five verses. Uh, as you can tell, they're very uplifting verses, aren't they? Very uplifting. But I've also noticed something that uh, last week I was in 1 Timothy 3, diving into the middle of it. And now I'm in 2 Timothy 3, which I find I, I love the heart of what Timothy's letters are uh, demonstrating. And let's first start uh, by what he is talking about, what terrible times are he goes. But mark this, there will be terrible times, okay? And in many different versions, it's terrible times or difficult times. And these are times that are talked about. And just so you know, these are more like eras or stretches of time. This isn't like a certain date, like a certain one day off. These are, hey, there's going to be this, this season, this certain section of time that will be terrible times. Um, and it's just more than just, hey, uh, just one certain day. And it's talking about the continual frequency and the dangerous eras of the believing church, which does bring up the fact if your church is never under attack for its faith, is it living its faith out? Now, there is a great difference between being under attack or being under attack for your faith. Okay? You can have issues and struggle in the church and people gossiping and complaining and be like, man, a church is a struggle. That is not the same for standing for the faith being persecuted for the faith. There's there, there's there going to be times when we're persecuted because of what we believe and stand for. And those are great questions that we have to continue to ask ourselves. And that's what's great about these letters. We need to know what the context is happening during these times to the letter that Paul has written to Timothy. But we must also know where we are as well. And then it says there will be terrible times in the last days. Now, many people believe that in the last days is the right before the rapture. Okay, I would say that most scholarly people believe that this is more determined. Uh, the last days refers to the age that we are actually in now, uh, right after the first coming of Jesus Christ and not the second coming. So we're the last days before the second coming. And I'll show you a little bit more about that in the scriptures, what it's saying. But as it's coming now, and even if it was the last days, the, if you believe in the tribulation or whatever, and we'll get into that when we're in Revelation. But at any point, there will be troubles in the last days. There will be troubles in this era. There will be troubles in this time. Jesus has come. He came. He died. He rose again. And now he's ascended up and he will come again he will come again and so the day is not finished until that day happens we are living in that time so that gives you a little bit of conflict uh, of confirmation of where we are today we're going to be talking a lot about what love is and what we're in love with what are we lovers of Paul in this letter is telling Timothy what people are struggling with and will be struggling with. He's also showing the heirs of the fallen world. 
As Wearsby puts it on his passage of 2 Timothy 3, he says it like this. There is an emphasis on love, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, unloving, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The heart of every problem is a problem in the heart. God commands us to love him supremely and our neighbors as ourselves. But if we love ourselves supremely, we will not love God or our neighbors. Today, we too must take a look at what and whom we love. A deep, true look at our heart and spirit and what truly guides us. And this is always a hard part because I think many of us take a look at our neighbor's heart and we judge them. Or we take a look even at the person next to us in the pew or we start taking a look. But no, we are called to take a look at our own heart. We're also called to take a look at the church's heart. What does it beat for? What are the people that we love? And as you will see today, it even talks in scriptures about those that go directly against God. And I'm telling you, I don't think they truly know who they're picking a fight with. There's a story in 2009, this guy named Frank, he, uh, he was a neighbor uh, to this guy named Greg. Greg was having a party the night before and got called on that, hey, uh, you know, he was a younger guy. Hey, there's a party going on, and uh, he got some noise complaints. Well, he thought Frank was the one that called, because Frank's a 72-year-old neighbor, and most of them were like, oh, I know Frank called. So Frank was just doing his normal business in the morning, doing his plates and uh, getting stuff out right for breakfast. And uh, just so you know, Frank didn't make the phone call. Greg didn't know that, but Greg thought, he's a 72-year-old man, I got this. He comes in his door, and Frank sees him, and he's got a knife. And like Frank's like, what's going on? The thing is, is Greg didn't realize that uh, Frank, the 72-year-old man, was a three-time Navy boxing champion <laughs> and clearly won the fight. And so many times I think when we go up against God or something like that, and we're like, yeah, we got this. We come in, we like come in with like a little plastic knife to God and be like, hey, and we don't know who we're truly dealing with. And I think we have to actually know who we're dealing with. And we must be aware of that because Paul is telling us and that the first thing he says is, mark this, know this. It's to remember. You look throughout scripture how many times they are called to remember, to remember, to remember, to look back, to remember how they got out of Exodus, to remember who got them out, to look back, to remember all the times that God has provided. So we too cannot fall into these pitfalls. That's going to lead us to point number one. Love of ourselves. Just so you know, and I know this might shock you, there are people that really love themselves. A lot. I know it's shocking. But it would be unwise to think that we do not or cannot fall into that trap as well of being lovers of ourselves. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can often think, 
And I think this is what starts happening in our own lives, and it starts small. It's what I do is most important. Of who I am matters greatly. Are the things that you do, are they for other people, yourselves, or the Lord? We must not be shocked or unaware that people love themselves. There are are people that could care less about you. They are in this life totally for themselves. They believe that this world owes them something. They love themselves. They twist the true meaning of the word love and put it into their own hands, not God. And whatever they believe is right. That is why you can see that in the world today. That's why having relations with as many people as possible is okay. And let's not just say that. It's not okay anymore. It's actually, they would say, good. They have redefined definition. It's good. That's why abortion, the taking of an innocent life, that's why they say it is good. That is why lying and stealing and to get ahead, they say, not just it's okay, but it's good. Why do you ask? Because they love themselves. And they love no one else. And no God is going to tell them differently. You can just take a look at many of these attributes and characteristics that are listed here in 2 Timothy 3 and see for yourself. Paul names a bunch of issues and probably could have named many, many more. But let's just take a quick look. Let's go back through. Paul talks about lovers of themselves as what? Boastful. A biblical definition of boasting is said this. Boasting in oneself is an expression of pride. Those who sin express arrogance by implying that they can successfully violate the laws of an almighty God. Paul describes this arrogance and boastfulness as God-haters in Romans. The next one, proud. We just were talking about pride. Pride can be defined as elevating one's opinion and thoughts above God's authoritative word. Blasphemers. This is according to the, West, uh, the Webster's Dictionary. It's the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God. Clearly, you can see a trend going on. And as you continue, it continues to break your heart because you see it in the world today. It continues with the talk of disobedient to your parents. Kids, pay attention. That's why you're here on Family Sunday. Disobedient of your parents is not obeying what God wants us to do and how much we see that today. The thing is, though, many of those parents have given away that respect by their own disobedience to the Heavenly Father. So many want the respect from their kids, but they disobey their own Heavenly Father. What a twisted cycle we have fallen into. People are also ungrateful as we continue at the end of verse 2 into verse 3. They're ungrateful, unholy, without love, and unforgiving. We see ungratefulness all around us where enough is never enough. I always need that one more thing. I didn't get the big piece of the pie. Unholy. We can sit on that about all of what's on TV. 
what's on social media, what's in books, what's in all of the, the shows, movies. It doesn't matter. It's all in holy because there's always now a character that is in a defiant against the Lord and Savior. It's, it's a directly saying that, no, I'm not following God's way. I am living this way, and we're going to celebrate it. We're going to celebrate it right in front of your eyes. Woe to us that allow that junk. Woe to me. You see unholiness in the workplace and so on and so on. Paul also talks about those who are slanderous. And this is not just talking about your actions, but your mouth, what you say. How do you talk? That's a great question. How do you communicate? How do you talk? Do you talk out of love? Are you slanderers? Finishing verse 3, he says, Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Paul is laying it out there on how the world is. And we see it in the context of the time of Paul, but we can also see it in our world today. People can be brutal and all these unbiblical characteristics. And it all shows us that we, as what humans, what we truly seek for, we seek pleasures of the world rather than be lovers of God. We must beware. I am not saying that temptations don't come. I'm not saying that temptations will not be around. That is not what's going on. But there is a difference between temptations and then falling for Lovers of the world, of going after things of the world, being persuaded by the things of the world. And so many times we get it twisted. It comes in as something that seems good. It's just like Satan twisting his words to Eve. Or when he was even tempting Jesus in the desert. He's twisting it, trying to twist scripture, trying to twist it. And so many times in your life, it's like, oh, yes, this is fine. I can take this step. And what did we talk about last week? We didn't, we didn't even pray about it. Oh, yes, I know I need to go to this promotion, but I'm not even going to go to you, God, because the promotion, the money, the things that it brings is so good to me. But are we really pursuing what God wants? Are we worried about ourselves? This leads to point number two, because it's not just pleasures of ourselves. It's the love of things. That skips back to the part about lovers of money. Where it says we must not follow the trap in lovers of money. What a battle it is today for us and our lives and also our society. So much of Western culture is built on the status of money and things that money brings. We even have the false saying today going around in churches that saying that the more money you have, the more God loves you. <laughs> That's not true. It's false. But let's see what Paul is saying in Timothy as he talks. He's talked about it at the end of 1 Timothy, which was part of our reading as well. In verse 6, he says this, But godliness with contentment, okay, to be sat that contentment means to be satisfied or pleased. Okay? But godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. Okay, that's what we're just talking about. What are those desires? Those are the desires that we talked about ourselves. They're the desires of money. They're the desires of things. They're the desires. We're falling right back into what he's talking about in 2 Timothy 3. Let's continue. That plague people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue. This is always what's great. It's not always like, hey, don't do these things. This is what you should pursue. This is what you should go after. Pursue righteousness. This is a totally different list than 2 Timothy 3. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, if we jump to verse 17, we're still in the same chapter, it talks about those that do have money. Because if you don't know, if we're in Western culture, we all have money. We're all very gifted. If you have a toilet in your bathroom, you're like what, in the top 15% of the world. Like, I'm not, it's just like, we are all gifted. We can start judging in, our, in the, uh, different places in this own room. But if you're doing that, then you're very, it's very dangerous. That's why we have to look at our own heart. He says in verse 17 to do this, though. Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Oh, it's so good. So good. Now your hope's not in wealth, but your hope's in God, who richly provide us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Okay, what's that coming age? That's when Jesus comes back for the second time. For the coming age, we're not living in this last day age. We're living for the second age. So if you have wealth, have you have that? How are you? Do you live generously? Do you have your hope in God? Or is your hope in, in money? Is your hope in the things that it provides? Is it the hope in the job that you have? And these are great questions. It's not saying, the, uh, it says, command those who are rich. It's not saying, there are people rich here. It clearly is saying there are people with more money. But they're telling you what to do with it. Not to live for this age, but to live for the next and to give generously to those in need. I love how Wearsby finishes his thoughts up on this when he says, in this universe that we're living in now, he says, there is a God and there are people and there are things. We should worship slash love God, love people and use things. But if we start worshiping ourselves, we will ignore God and start loving things and using people. This is a formula, a formula for a miserable life, yet it characterizes many people today. The worldwide craving for things is just one indicator that people's hearts have turned away from God. How much have you craved things? You crave it. And it might not be you, but you can see it around the world. It's, it's, the, it's the newest iPhone. 
It's the newest Jordan shoes. It's the newest car model. It's the newest. It's always, there's always this hunger for more because it's not enough. And that will never be filled enough unless you're right with God. It can never be filled up enough. And that's the warning that's going on. But for those that are rich, we need to be able to live generously, to give, to live freely. Because we are stewards with our money. We are stewards. God has blessed us with it, but we are stewards with it. We have talked about this in the past, and I talked about it a lot when I first became pastor, is what you love is what you will show. This is in your home life, and this is also for the the church home. If the church loves attendance, you're going to do things to get more attendance. If your church wants the budget to be padded, you're going to do things to pad your budget. If you love the gospel, want to transform people's lives through scripture, you're going to do things the Bible says. Now, I'm not saying that attendance is bad or the budget's bad. We're actually, those are good things. They're not bad, but we have to keep them in the proper order. We have to keep them in the correct order. But if we substitute the scripture, the word, and don't do what God has called us to do, we are like verse 5 in 2 Timothy 3, saying this, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. I don't want a form of godliness. I want the whole thing. I don't want just a form. I don't want to be an example. I don't want to be like, oh, and this is what happens. The church starts judging how people are by how many people are showing up on Sunday. Do you think God is weighing it? Oh, you had, last week you were at this number. You had three more people. Now I love you more. What are we talking about? That's not how God operates. As Brad was talking, it's about the transformed life. It's about the transformed life. And that's what we pursue. And that leads us to point number three. Love of God. The love of God. A lot of us love Jesus as our Savior, knowing that he will save us and we will have eternal life. The question is, do we love him as our Lord? Do we love him as our Lord who dictates every aspect of our life? Will we bow the knee to him and him alone? That's that's a huge question. Everyone loves Jesus, so I have eternity with him. But then when it comes push to shove of how to live your life, it's, I, I, what? I I don't want to do that. I don't want him to have every aspect of it. You're all in or not. And that's what, are you really loving God? I do want to give you some words of biblical encouragement and how we are to live and love God. We talked last week about first going to God in prayer. To love God properly, we must be in communication with Him and line up with His will and not be lovers of ourselves. So many times when we go to pray, we try to have God like, hey, this is the way I want things done, God. Can you move in this direction? Can you move over here? Because that would really work out. No, prayer is a lot of you getting lined up in the right spot with God. And the problem is is we try to move him over. We come into a fight with a little plastic knife thinking we can really do something, and we got nothing. Secondly, and we'll talk about this, 
is we will need to know and speak the word. We need to know and speak the word, which is to know the Bible. Now, I know that Paul, in this talking to Timothy, he's talking to the pastor and to the elders, but I do think it's a loss if we're only like, okay, only the pastor can ever send the gospel, you know, like, or tell the gospel. No, we're all called to go make disciples. We're all called to go out and speak the truth of the biblical word of God. We're going to jump into this. Uh, we're going to be at the end of 2 Timothy 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 16, if you're in your Bibles. 2 Timothy 3, it says this. And many of these verses are, you've heard these before, but I think in the context you need to know, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And now 2 Timothy 4, 1 starts, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Just said, again, it's good to continue to see what the Bible's saying as a whole. With great patience and careful instructions. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. What we've been talking about today. There will be a time, and you can already see it, that people will not deal with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires. It's just what we're talking about. To suit their own desires. I'm not going to go to a church that's going to preach what the Bible says when it deals with money because it's going to be suiting. They're going to find that suiting. Or how I can live my life. The charge when I get to heaven is not going to be how many people showed up on site. My charge is going to be, did you preach the gospel? Did you preach the word properly? And here, then the thing is, then you will be charged with how you dealt with it. If I speak something that is not true, not biblical, you're not responsible. I am. But if you hear and you know something from Scripture, you then are responsible. Because now God has put something in your life and God has said, hey, you need to do this. Now you are responsible for how that transforms in your life. That is why we do discipleship groups. That is why we do D groups. Not because, hey, it's another group, it's another hangout part. No, we do it because we want you to be part of transformed life with other people. To hold you accountable. To walk alongside you. To be able to be then you go out and preach the word. Not that it's a checklist that like, yes, I did another thing. No, that you get in there, you're reading the scripture and the word gets in you and then you're held accountable because all of a sudden you now are being transformed when you read the word. And the word is good. The word does not come back ever with a loss. The word always wins. And we need to sit in that and rest in that and then go out and live it. And that's why then we train, and that's why we do the discipleship, so then you get to go disciple people that need to hear it in your neighborhood, and people in your lifespan, and people around your path. And I, here's the shocker, I don't care if they ever come to this church. I don't care, because that's not what we're called to do. I'm not going to be judged by that. But you're going to be judged about how you love your neighbors, how you love your friends, how you love 
like Jesus. That is the call. That's what he's preaching. Not our own desires, but God's. We're in the middle of verse 3. They will gather around with a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. To myths. But you keep your head in all situations, enduring hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is why we do what we do. And this is why we've continued to push it and continue to train in discipleship, but also train together. That's why we gather here today to love each other, to be around each other, to encourage each other, and to continue to get positive words from the Bible. The Bible will always fill you up. Why do Sundays feel different than the rest of the week? It's because you're around Scripture. You're in the presence of God. That's why we do what we do. It's not, as I said, a checklist. It's to have Jesus live out his life through the life Jesus has given you. Some of you might need to write this down. It's to have Jesus live out his life through the life Jesus has given you. Your life is no longer your own. You're bought with the price. You've been bought. You've been bought. And just so you know, the world is not looking for sound doctrine. But they are looking for the desires and loves of their own heart. They turn away from the truth and go lovingly into the arms of myths. They love going into myths. I say to you, and I challenge you, turn from myths and run into the arms of truth. Run into the arms of the gospel. Turn and run into the arms of Jesus Christ, the Lord of your life. Not just the Savior, but the Savior and Lord of your life. To go to Him in prayer and to know and to preach the Bible. So wherever you're at, as we sing this last song, we're going to have this song up here. And as you sing, I want you to, where's your heart at? You have three things. Are you, have you been lover of yourself recently? Have you been a lover of things? Or are you a lover of God? The challenge is, it's not like, hey, I know more stuff about that. That's great. Congratulations. Like, no, that's good. You have to know. But now is the beautiful part, the transformation of your life. How can I become a lover of God? And to start, that's through prayer and the word. Let us pray, and then we will sing. Thank you, Father, thank you so much. As we sing, may we rest and have time with you to process what you've given us. And may any of the words that came from me, may they blow away to oblivion. But may the words that were spoken and the truth from the word of God that has impacted hearts, may it stick, may it build as a rock of foundation of steps to continue their process to become lovers of you, not lovers of ourselves. We thank you and praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.